This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middle call! Middle call, 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 call. Why are you gripping the mic so tightly? Ready to work, guy. Sunday, no days off. We're just grinders. We salute you! And we are reporting for duty. As uh, the only question left is the St. Peter's fly tonight or spend one more night in the NCAA tournament fly on monday morning i'm pretty sure they're playing uh at the wells fargo in philly so they're i think they live 45 minutes away bus trip (laughs) bus Bus trip trip. you just go right over the walt whitman bridge and you know well i could see you staying one more night just like uh the four seasons has has all your bag the marriott has all your bags in the lobby you're like no 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 we're one more night as ncaa tournament elite eight participants well you know how the super bowl how they already have a party scheduled if you lose and like joe burrow went to it this year Right, and I, Tom Brady in the book talks about like the first time they lost, they didn't know what to do, and they realized the party's already set, so you just go and fucking have a couple of beers. I I think you just you throw a party. Like to me, if you're St. Peter's, you treat this like you just made the final four, and you throw a party for. Yeah, the right? only question, right, is does the coach get a get a job tonight, or does he stay at St. Peter's? Any jobs currently open in the market? Feels like probably. I mean, I haven't really been tied in on the coaching searches the last couple of days, but. There's always a few jobs open. I mean, the Mississippi J- uh, State job got filled pretty quick after they fired Ben Howland. They hired the guy from New Mexico State, Chris Jans. Florida uh, got filled pretty quick. Any Florida Pac-12 jobs? Any quick. Pac-12 jobs open? Nope. Does, it doesn't feel like crazy. Uh, didn't you tell me Louisville hired somebody pretty quick? It wasn't that much money. Louisville hired a guy pretty quick for like two and a half, I think, million dollars. But you never know. Like, does somebody try and steal Eric Musselman away tomorrow? To, I don't even know what. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. People people leave the SEC? <laughs> I think Arkansas pays a NBA lot NBA job. I, somebody else in the SEC? I don't know. I think the average, I don't know what Hubert Davis makes. Probably, not, obviously, not Roy Williams money. But Coach K makes like 10. I'm pretty sure Jay Wright and Bill Self, what are they both making? Eight plus. I mean, it's, yeah. I remember when UCLA tried to hire Kentucky, it was uh, hire Calipari. It was like, are you going to pay him ten years, a hundred million, or something crazy like that? Which, Which I, um, yeah. You know, I mean, Coach K has five championships to his own self. Five. Yeah. North lot. Carolina has six as a program. Coach K's got five. Jay Wright's got two. Well, it's funny. You get to programs with only one very quickly. Jay Wright having two is pretty incredible. Like Florida has two, but it was basically the same team. Teams with two, like uh, USF, San Francisco, they got two. Cal's got one. But the list of 
Well, Program Nova, I, I, I looked it. I looked it up. Nova's got three because remember they won the one in the mid '80s. So that's right. those extra two. Now we're in a whole different class, right? For sure. I mean, that's their top ten all time. Because <laughs> Roy Williams had three when he was at North Carolina, correct? Three at Carolina. They got six all time. Kentucky's got eight. UCLA's got eleven. Indiana's got five. Duke yeah. has five. UConn has four. Kansas has three. Nova has three. But then you're into just like. The next group of teams is they could have won them 10 years ago or 100 years ago. Cincinnati's got two. Louisville's so you, got two. So you say on paper it's a pretty historic Final Four. I mean, I know for me personally, and again, I said this the other day, I feel like in the minority, I root for Duke. I've just, I grew, I grew up, I liked Duke as a kid. So I root for him. And just Coach K is a story. Like, how could you root against, the, you know, like there's no way I was rooting for St. Peter's today. I'm sorry, but the underdog is sweet until you get, to this point, and someone gets beat by 20, Duke Carolina, especially given you get the whole history and then what just happened to Duke on Coach K's final day with Coach K apologizing to the crowd, shushing the crowd and apologizing to them. <laughs> I mean, the only way it would get better is if they were to play in the national title game. This is incredible. I, I was texting with someone, though, yesterday. I think the one thing that's unique about the Final Four is that if you have a historic Final Four game, it almost is also remembered like a national title game. Like the Final Four, those two games in a vacuum by themselves, if one is legendary, you know, the Leitner shot, right, happened in the first game, not the second game. I do think if you just have a big game, it can be remembered for a long period of time. Like if UNC beats Coach K again and then loses to Kansas or Nova, I do think that game will be remembered for a long time just in college basketball, right, right? Like that's why I think so special about the Final Four is truly all three games, if they are, if two of the three of them are epic games, are remembered forever, not yeah. just the Natty. Right. Hell, you could have a bad Natty in two legendary Final Four games, and that's you put up banners for Final Four. That's what makes college basketball. You like. get a tro- you get a mini basically championship trophy. Well, you cut you cut down the nets. I mean, it's, it, to me, it was like watching Bill Self, who when I I googled like what's his salary, and then it came up like. He has a lifetime contract, you know, lifetime. Like he can coach there till he dies. I would imagine Jay Wright technically has a life. Like he's going nowhere. Could you imagine making them making them stand by your lifetime contract even when you're just you can't remember anybody's name. You're in a wheelchair. Then I was. You. It's really sad. I didn't. I I've not gotten this far in the Showtime movie, but you mentioned the Showtime book to me the other day, and I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. So I got it on Audible. I started listening to it this weekend, Friday. And um, I've, I haven't gotten very far, but I did not know this. There was a guy whose name I forget, who everyone thinks was going to be one of the greatest coaches of NBA history, who's coaching the first year of Magic, Magic's rookie year. He gets in like a bike accident, has a bad. Do you know this? Do you have you listened to this? Well, this? in the in the show, it's oh, a dude okay. from Portland. It's a dude from Portland who was like uh, their offensive coordinator gotcha. for the for the legendary Blazer team that had Bill Walton. Gotcha. And then Jerry West realized this guy's a genius. Jerry West quits, and they hire that guy. And I guess he's like uh, the vibe I kind of got. What was the a Pete Carrill? Like this guy was a schematic genius. Now I don't know. Was he like? Did he get along with the? Play? I didn't know that he got injured. I haven't got to that part in the show. I just in the book. I guess he gets a brain injury. He still goes on to become the NBA coach of the year, like two years later for the Pacers. But he was. One of the things one of the guys in the book says is, the, I think it was the Pacers, they were in a huddle. He's like, we're going to run the same thing we ran against St. John's. Like, uh, you know, he was not all there because yeah. of this, it, this unfortunate this injury that robbed him of uh, his memory. And uh, it was the, that was basically the end of his career. But anyway, 
Um, I saw I saw someone else, a, a famous person that was like connected somehow to the Lakers dynasty, called the depiction of Jerry West and other figures like a a tragedy on actual human people. You know what? His verbiage was just incredible. Like people are legitimately like offended. You know. Yeah. That, but no. you know what's funny about it? Again, I'm like a, not even a chapter into the book. In the book, it's clear Jerry is a lunatic. Emotionally, it's very difficult for him. But you just, I think you draw the line on you as, put, as a coach, as a coach, just like it just, he is consumed with it and losing hurts and all that. But I think there is a line you put, you, you say that I'm a lunatic and that I'm hard to work with. You put me curled up in a ball on the ground in tidy whities and that never happened. We have a problem. I don't care about throwing a trophy that I didn't actually throw. But people, I don't think boxers, I don't know what your boxers came around, but tidy whities that's the underwear you wore, right? It's just an embarrassing look. It's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's what I mean, people tidy, wore. tidy whities was the unit. Was anyone wearing something else in the 70s? Well, I mean, in our lifetime, like when we were kids, like we wore tidy whities in the eight, like tidy whities were just what you wore. My dad right. wore tidy whities when I first met him as a young, young child. Like it's just, and then you transitioned. With I would say mid to late nineties, boxers became very universal. They were not like in Jerry West's heyday in like the late seventies, early eighties. Like Pat Riley's wearing tidy whities. I'm just saying, you do that. There's a difference to me between that and having a guy throw a trophy to break a window that he, that ne- that never happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, I get it. We're trying to communicate a whole person's life in one hour, so we can dramatize a little. But uh, you have me rolling on the ground in tidy whities. We got a problem. <laughs> At least I didn't put like you know a little little stain little on there or whatever. That would have been realistic. <laughs> that would been bad. Like I'm a wiper. Uh, oh, by the way, a couple things uh, as we start the week here, everybody, and uh, wrap up the month of March. Uh, get back on the mailbag. I think we're going to return to the mailbag this week. So iTunes, leave us a review, five stars. Leave us a question, any question. Tell us your favorite bar, all that kind of stuff. Also. Can we? Should we say this? Scheduled to appear yeah, I mean, on he's Tuesday. Schedule. You just. I mean, he could back out, but I feel pretty confident. Greg Papa. Yeah, Greg Papa. You know, scheduled to talk to us on Tuesday. He might be. Is he like the, um, like the Tom? Hank, who was hosted SNL the most? Is he our? Do mo- you think he's been on the show the most now? This will be his third or fourth fourth appearance, maybe on the show. Funny, th- you bring up Tom Hanks. You know, Graham Bessinger or whatever that guy's name is yeah. that always does the interviews. Maybe I had golf on or whatever in the in like the background. I was walking well, around yeah. and then it, it ended and then he came up and he was interviewing Tom Hanks and I just sat down. I literally watched all thirty minutes because it was excellent. But uh, yeah, speaking of Tom Hanks, Greg Papa, uh, come on down, as John Lund would say. <laughs> uh, Andre on the stream. Tidy Whitey's is the topic. Let's hear those Debo takes, fellas. There comes. Yeah. So what, let's dive into it. Any, any uh, anything else we need to mention? Yeah, Greg Papa. What do we got? Uh, I, you know, I think John Master Lynch. Next week. I, I I would imagine a lot of, you know, owners. Well, owners can be hit or miss. Actually, I won't feel great about owners. Not that I even care what they say, but general managers and coaches, pretty good chance that they speak this week. And we get our most favorite. You know, the coaching picture. The coaching picture. <laughs> What Hawaiian shirt will Andy Reid be wearing? Well, they're they're in Florida, so he's gonna. I mean, he's got shorts and a Hawaiian shirt written all over him, doesn't he? I mean, it's gonna like Mike McDaniel is in the coaching picture. Our other favorite part is the GM picture because then you every time it's like, oh, that's Kevin Colbert. But now I feel like I really know who Kevin Colbert looks like after years and years of doing this, especially because he's gone. Right? I mean, this is it. This is his last this photo. Last photo. Do you, do you do you expect to see the Shanahan crew, Kyle? 
Sean, McDaniel, LaFleur, Sala, Kevin O'Connell, do you expect them to all be grouped or kind of spread their wings? and like? I think they're spread. I think the, like, the real question, and anyone who's listened for years, we always do a breakdown of the coaching picture and the GM picture. Will Kyle be next to um, Matt LaFleur? Will they be near each other? Have we had a coaching picture since the allegation that of the, we have not had a coaching picture oh, since yeah. the Aaron Rodgers rumor last year draft day? So will Kyle and Matt LaFleur of the Packers be near each other? Always feels too that Bill attends, but he never participates. Do you expect to see Belichick in the photo? Because uh, he like really next gets to two Josh photos. McDaniel. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of new additions. That's part of the cool part, right? Mike McCarthy's not going to be there. To me, if, you, if you're Mike McDaniel, do you situate yourself next to like in between to, you know, establish a little dominance like Tomlin Vrabel? You're just like, I'm here to rumble. Well, the best was always Jack Del Rio, front and center, legs open. Yeah. That was, I always, so you're right. You can establish yourself by who you stand next to. All right. Uh, let's dive into things, John. Uh, Rich Cimini, Cimini, Cimini of uh, ESPN covers the Jets, wrote this in ESPN.com, and it's had a lot of uh, attention on Sunday. Uh, the Jets will have to address their wide receiver issue with a high draft pick. Unless another Tyreek Hill situation arises, a handful of receivers are entering the final year of their rookie deal. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel. The market's blowing up, and that might make it harder for their teams to resign them. The Jets have ties to all three. The coaching staff knows Samuel from his time from their time in San Francisco. To say the coaches have an affinity for Samuel would be an understatement. At this point, there's no indication that any of them are available, but the Jets are just keeping an eye on situations just in case. Know this, it's harder for a fourth-year player to force a trade compared to an older, more expensive player like Tyreek, but hey, you never know. The Jets traded Jamal Adams after three years, didn't they? So that is the uh, the report, and I think the first reaction that uh, I've seen is one of two things. Let's engage in this or let's dismiss it because it's stupid to think about. And, uh, you know, we have are the, we are of the mind that uh, I don't expect Debo Samuel to get traded here. But I do think I didn't expect other guys to get traded. A year or two ago, you wouldn't have expected Devontae Adams to play for anybody, especially in his prime, but the Green Bay Packers. And we are in March still. This month, Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams, Robert Woods, Hinjard, and Tyreek Hill have all been traded. Yeah, I think one thing that the two superstar guys that have in common that happen – I guess really over, I mean, Devontae feels, you know, less than a week ago, but it was probably a little more than that. The last 10 days, you've seen Devontae and Tyreek. Both the guys spent second contracts on their first team. Now, we can argue, I, I think money's all relative, and you've brought up the numbers before. One guy was like 51, and the other guy was like 59. But I bet at the time that they got the extension to those guys, to the league, that felt like pretty big contract extensions for both guys, especially Devontae. Uh, Tyreek, I, I, you know, had some off the field, just question marks, but still, obviously the numbers that just got passed out to the, you know, those two guys again are historically large, right? They, they are more money per year than any other position, but they're not more money than they, they get talked about like the biggest deals ever. Miles Garrett, but Joey Bosa fucking blew by both those two deals, right? As non it's Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack still what, however many years later, what year would that have been? 17, 87, and 90. So like Tyree Kill, who got this deal that if you just look on Twitter, he got paid like he's Steph Curry or whatever, doesn't even sniff Aaron Donald's deal that now is a joke deal, right? Or Khalil Mack's deal from 2017. So 
I think average per year is a little overrated. Now, maybe a guy like Parag or Howie would, would argue that. And I'm sure they would have legitimate takes because depending on specific years, like the average per year does matter. And it definitely matters to the probably the narrative around contract negotiations with other players. Yeah. But I would imagine the number that truly like the owners, like part of what made the Jimmy Haslam signing off on that contract is like, you truly guarantee $230 million. Even if the signing bonus is 60, you have to put that lump sum of cash into escrow. Like ultimately Mark Davis had to have $67 million, not 149. Right. And Stephen Ross, the 72 or 73 or 75, I see different numbers, but a little over 70 for Tyree Kill. I, I just get back to the three names that you're seeing. While they are those two contracts dramatically up their value, because all three guys are studs. They've all had enormous moments. They've played in a combined Debo 6, AJ 5, and DK 3 playoff games. They've been in enormous games. That's not even counting their regular season games. When you're in playoff teams, you're playing in huge regular season games and then the playoff games. So these guys, I've seen them in their big moments. They all can dominate. They've been in to a combined true three Pro Bowls. Combined. As we said last week, those guys have consecutive 11. So I, I do think the way they're talked about, and I get what Rich is saying, and I get the way social media is saying it, we have to put these three guys who I fucking, all three of them have awesome attributes. We'll get into like how you'd rank them, but all three of them are elite difference-making players at the highest level. I mean, DK has had some moments in this league because I think he's going to be ranked probably last by the average fan that are pretty mind-blowingly, incredibly jaw-dropping if you watched it on your couch, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, he, I mean, he, he he was the most famous of these groups four years ago when a shirt was coming off. You're like, no, nah, this guy, th- this guy. And then he lived up to the hype immediately. So I, I just think we need to pump the brakes on the amount of money that people think all three of them are going to get. Like, I, I think the teams are probably more confident where the number's going to come around than I think the outside noise. Yeah, I also think as it relates to this particular story, um, you know, the more people that know you, because if you know somebody and you like somebody, you are more inclined to, uh, you know, want to be around that person than somebody that doesn't know them. Right. That's a very obvious, basic thing. If you like someone, you're more willing to maybe high, pay them more money or be a little biased. It's the simplest way to put it in your evaluation of them. And uh, the more coaches around the league that coached the 49ers and now there are you know, staffs, two more staffs this year than there were last year, or coaches that coached against Debo Samuel, like Kevin O'Connell now in the Vikings. The more teams that, the more coaching staffs around the league that are coaching staffs are somehow connected to Debo Samuel, the more places that might be willing to pay him more than the 49ers are willing to pay him. The 49ers might really be willing. I think that's part of this is like, and we saw it with Devontae here where the Packers were willing to pay Devontae the same amount of money that the Raiders were willing to pay Devante, but Devante wanted to be somewhere else. The more places that are willing to pay you as much money as your team is willing to pay you, you know it and your agent knows it, the more likely it is that you end up on another team. Now, again, I don't think Debo's about to get traded to the Jets or traded anywhere for that matter, but there's one year left on his deal. And if the Niners are offering him a reasonable contract of, let's say it's a what we think would be even reasonable plus, $58 million guaranteed, right? We we did we talked about it the other day based on his history. Now, if he's this player that he is right now for the next three years, that's not crazy at all. 
But let's say it's 60. Let's say 60. Let's say somebody's willing to make him the highest paid receiver in the league and he knows it. But the Niners are willing to offer him $58 million. What happens if he doesn't sign 58 because he wants somebody else to pay him 75? I, I, I think there's a big difference in even Devontae and Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> Devontae had been around that group since 14, so they've had ebb and flows. It's same with Tyreek Hill. In the peak of their powers, under no circumstances are those two teams capitulating. Like at the end of the day, this ain't the NBA. This is the NFL. Those two teams gave in because they were both willing to. And obviously, like you said, the Packer situation was way different in Tyreek. They would not have done this either team four years ago. Like to me, the 49ers aren't in capitulation mode yet. Just like, oh, yeah, he's not happy. We'll just let him on his merry way and let some other team. Like that ain't happening. Right. Part of it was like those other teams, but specifically the Chiefs, who to me would parallel the Niners situation if they ultimately wanted to pull the trigger, the Chiefs were willing to part ways. Like I don't think the Niners, you know, are in the mode yet of like, yeah, we'll, we'll let it get ugly. <laughs> we'll, we'll argue a little bit. Like, contract negotiations at the highest level, T.J. Watt, the Packers, the Steelers in a million years. When I think the Steelers, I think T.J. Watt is like, represents everything they've been our entire life. It's like, yeah, it got ugly. It got weird. Yeah. That's, that's life. I mean, that's the situation. The other unique situation here, which is, you know, but I guess Kansas City was this way too. Kansas City, you could argue, was the best place for Tyreek Hill, right? Like if you're Debo, being with Kyle Shanahan on the 49ers is a pretty good situation to be in. We just saw it last year. But what if privately you're telling your agent, hey, man, I don't want to run the ball eight times a game. I don't want to play that way. It's not good for my body. It's not good. That's not who I am. I'll do it. I did it last year. I don't want to be that guy. He, he did He did keep saying it and taking pride, call himself a wide back. 100%. Again, I'm not saying any of those things are what's happening. Uh, I just think ultimately the situation, if we removed all the names from it, there's a receiver on the last year of his contract who wants to get paid a lot of money and might not be valued financially by his team as much as he thinks he should be valued and somebody else really likes him and has a lot of draft picks. Uh, that's a story that that's a real story in the NFL. Now, I don't think this one's going to happen. But again, I, I didn't think Devontae. Uh, I didn't think Devontae was about to leave. So, yeah. Facts. Uh, okay. Before there's a there are a few more elements of this, but we also want to tell you about our friends at ButcherBox.com/ham. Before we go any further, ButcherBox.com/ham free ground beef for life, two pounds in every box for the life of your subscription. When you go to ButcherBox.com/ham. Guy, no antibiotics or added hormones. Each box contains 8 to 14 pounds of meat. Depending on the box you choose, that's enough for 24 individual meals. This is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again, guy. Because every week, once you get a subscription and you get your uh, you get your rotation of meats, 8 to 10 pounds, like I said, 8 to 14 pounds, excuse me, packed fresh and shipped frozen. You, you and I have both received these enormous packages. Mm. And they come in these boxes, frozen. You just... Throw it in the freezer. You start cooking whenever you want. I know you had tacos last week based on the ground beef. How do you beat that? I tell you, another the ground beef you do the day after tacos. Took the ground beef, dumped some the black beans that were on the side in there, mixed that up, and now I'm just eating. You know, oh. no no bread, no taco. I'm just a little just, little protein load. Yep, yeah, warm it up. Eight minutes over the you know uh, three minutes over the sink. I'm just pounding. And I'm off and uh, genius. Running. So it's it's a great uh, plan ahead. Uh, plan ahead for your cooking, plan ahead for your eating. And uh, it's not just the ground beef, right? Like John said, 100% grass-fed. Uh, you get the steaks, you get the free-range organic chicken, the wild-caught seafood. It's all right there. Uh, and right now, 
you get free ground beef for life when you go to butcherbox.com slash ham. Butcherbox.com slash ham. Two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your membership. Go to butcherbox.com slash ham to claim this deal. Do it, yo. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're, I'm seeing more uh, go ahead and trade Debo than I thought I would. Uh, of course, you listen to trade offers. Trading him would be stupid at this point with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Time to load up. The Niners are smart. They get rid of Kittle. Debo's been injury prone, and the way he gets used might be smart if you could get him for two ones. So, you know, do the do the 49ers and to Kyle Shanahan view Debo Samuel as untouchable because the Jets specifically have a lot of ammunition. They've got the fourth pick. They've got the 10th pick. They've got the 38th pick. If you, if the Jets really wanted them, they could make the 49ers an offer that would 
feel pretty outrageous, right? If you were just doing how much, how many picks do players get traded for? So on the extreme end, and somebody on Twitter just said to me, you know, the, the Jets wouldn't offer 410 and 38. But what if they got extreme and they did? What would the nine, how untouchable is Debo Samuel? Well, I would say the other two guys are two years younger than him. Both guys, well, DK was born in December. He's 24. <clears throat> I guess AJ will be 25. Debo is 26 years old and will be 27 in January. So, you know, despite only being three years, he was a senior when he came out. Those two guys were underclassmen. In a vacuum, you trade basically any player for 4, 10, and 38, right? That would be a historic haul factoring in. We talked about Mac before. We talked about Jalen Ramsey. Those guys were traded after the draft. So you didn't know what the picks were going to be. And as we saw, the picks weren't that good for either guy. So if you get 4, 10, and 38, the value there is, is stupid. But to me, the value in a draft is also based on the crop of players in the draft. Last year, can you imagine if you could trade Debo and get Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, and some other sweet player in the early second? <clears throat> okay. This year's draft, I've been told by many people, the difference at pick 12, there is no difference than pick 5. It's not a top-heavy draft. So even 4, 10, and 38, like, ultimately, who are you replacing Debo with? Now, could you get Garrett Wilson? Could you get a sweet offensive lineman that can, boom, start a guard and then replace McGlinchey? Right? I, I've heard that Neil and some of these guys can both kind of move, but we've seen them do it before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, they traded DeForest Buckner, who, like, to me, the, the defining image of this season, beside, I would say, the, the playoff win at Green Bay, even Trump, the Dallas win, right? That that the blocked punt and just the moments in that game were just the snow. It was crazy. The week eighteen Rams game. Yeah, that's another good one. Which you're right because Debo single handedly won in that game. I mean, he single handedly won in that game. He he who was on a different mission. He ran for a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. He was fucking remarkable. He the had catch that, the Jalen Ramsey dive, couldn't get it, catch. Was, and, and then took him in. I mean, guy, they had no timeouts. It was like 50 seconds left. It was insane. Uh, he's a remarkable player. He, he's beloved. And like DeForest Buckner of two years ago, who I'm all for value. And I think it's so easy. Like the value, the value, the value. Like, well, they traded DeForest Buckner and we love the value. Pick 13 for this guy, like no brainer. But then you have to use those picks and get it right. And immediately, like the one thing DeForest Buckner goes and he's even better. So it's like there's a good chance for the next two or three years if healthy, Debo Samuel is going to dominate and be a top 10 player. You could use 10, 4, and 38, which I don't think they would offer. Let's just say 10 and 38, which would be a haul. 10 and 38 would blow out of the water what the Chiefs just received and what the uh, what the Packers just received. Because the Raiders' pick was 22. The Dolphins' pick, which was the Niners' pick, was 29. Could you trade, if you and I ran a team, would would you trade pick in a, in a good draft, pick 10 for 22 and 29? You might not. Like, if you loved Micah Parsons or, or Aaron Donald or the guys that are usually there, J.J. Uh, Watt, historically, right around that value, you would say no. Because you're like, I don't want to... Two picks, John Schneider would say, well, you're picking two second rounders in pick 22 and 29, but yeah. you're paying them first round value. So pick 10, it, it's why I actually gave the uh, the Broncos a lot of, you know, like the trade they made for Russell Wilson. They gave up pick nine, which isn't just, they didn't give up pick 22. Like pick nine in a vacuum is worth a lot, but in this draft, is it really? Right. Like, I, I think the, the actual draft 
factors in. Now, could Garrett Wilson immediately be an elite player? Possibly, because you'd say Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, the last you know, two highest level guys in the last two drafts. Now, I know Jefferson didn't get drafted the highest, but have come in and dominate, so it, it happens. But I, I think people would freak the fuck out because the Niners already feel like they're doing the value move. We'll get into Jimmy a little bit later, right? Like, what, what, what are we doing? Jimmy? Uh, this doesn't have the fingerprints of, of the time that you do a trade like that when you have too many players to afford and you can't afford, you're up against the cap, right? That's not the situation they're about to be in. Eventually. They have a $27 million quarterback that's not even Once he's gone, once he's gone, John, they're not in that situation anymore. Um, but also, I think what's unique about Devontae and Tyreek trades, both of those guys played with generationally great, all-time great, and still really good, fantastic, best quarterback in the league type quarterbacks, right? Which makes them really valuable because they're making these plays in the playoffs, potentially, in the for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Wasp. But uh, if three three MVPs since 2018 combined between Rodgers and yeah, and you could be more really. But Mahomes could have won at Lamar's year, probably too. You know, yeah. I I uh, but because your quarterback is so good, you could argue we're paying a great quarterback. He can elevate somebody else that we're not going to replace Tyreek, but we can get somebody because our quarterback is so good and we've got other good players. You know, like part of Debo and specifically Debo not just being one type of receiver. Debo being good in uh, uh, handoff situations, Debo being good in short pass situations, makes him particularly valuable to the 49ers with Trey Lance. Like I think Debo, one of the reasons I think he's special beyond the box score is he can be a great player with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not every receiver can be great with Jimmy, you know, with that type of quarterback. And I would say he has the potential to be extra useful with Trey Lance. So I think he elevates a, a quarterback that needs a little elevation in a way that might be harder for, say, like DK Metcalf is more valuable to a team with Russell Wilson or even Drew Locke with a big arm than he is to Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers. I even think this, and this is where I bet if if Mike McDaniel was with us right now, he's like, I think everyone knows Tyreek as this deep threat, which he is. But if you really watch the Chiefs, you know, over the last three or four years, how often do they throw like quick screens to him well, and they can end arounds? Like you, you can get him the ball of his. Let's say he touches the ball, you know, between targets and and handoffs, twelve to thirteen times. I think you can get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Tyreek, that is, three or four times with your eyes closed. I right? think he's a great fit for Mike McDaniel and Tua. And I think Debo actually can kind of throw the ball down the field, but where that's where to me, I mean, you can run that quick screen to DK, but you're running that once a game. To me, AJ Brown is a true outside wide receiver. That's where DK, or I mean, excuse me, Debo, and you and I have talked about this over and over. You could argue he's worth more than the Niners than really he's worth more than any team, unless Mike McDaniel got him, but even more to even more than Lafleur, because like the Niners are very very dependent on this human being. So, yeah, the perception of Kyle, right, before he drafted Debo, was that, uh, before he drafted Trey Lance, was that he kind of views uh, quarterbacks as a little interchangeable. We definitely think he review, uh, looks at running backs that way, but then again, that's, that doesn't make him unique. Most of the league views it that way. Does he view Debo as untouchable? Does he view Debo as untouchable? To your point, there are just I things could, he can do with Debo he can't do with that. other players. I could push back even on the running back untouchable. Like when a guy is truly the guy, he rides. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He just maybe just views him like most guys. But does he view Debo Samuel as a guy he would really have a hard time replacing? 
the same way he views like he views Kyle Juszczyk that way. It just doesn't cost him as much to view Kyle Juszczyk that way. No, it's a, it's an easy one. Even Kittle is relatively cheap, you know, right? If Kittle was a wide receiver, what would he have got after a couple of Pro Bowls and the heart and soul of the team? He would have been a $22 million player last year. But instead, he plays tight end. Him and Kelsey make like $12, $13 million a year. <laughs> and their, their guarantee was nothing. That's where I think this one does get complicated because if Debo's asking for a $65 million guaranteed, based on his resume, to me, even if I increase his value on like the 49er inflation, what you mean to my brand and my team, I think we're still in the mid-40s. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just it's your resume, you're basing everything on what you are going to become, but that's yep. the way contracts work is what have you done, right? Like the reason Mahomes, he was Super Bowl MVP and won an MVP and he was fucking dominating the league, right? Rodgers had just won back-to-back MVPs why he got 150. That's just part of the deal, Debo. Well, that's now, part, that, that'd be part of back, that'd be part of the Niners evaluation is do we think he's healthy enough to do it again? I think it's fair to say that like any NFL player, he could have a three or four, you know, there's an element of luck and thinking right about how to use them. I mean, guys, A.J. Brown's gotten hurt, right? I mean, guys can get hurt. This guy has a longer injury history, but I guess my point is that I don't know if you can get too caught up. I mean, Nick Bosa has several major injuries, and they're going to break him off, no questions asked. Yeah. Isn't that just part of the deal? Yeah, yeah. And I I think Debo falls into the category of part of the deal. I wouldn't trade him for 4-10 and in this draft if I were the 49ers. I wouldn't either. But I, part of it is, do we think we can get a contract done with him? Do we think we can get a contract done with him? But I, but I here's where I would if I already knew the results. Like, would I trade him for 4-10? and 10? Well, yeah, if I knew that I was getting Tristan Wirfs and, you know, Justin Jamar Jefferson. Chase. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't hesitate. But that's yeah. not the way it works because I said, DeForest for 13? Well, and then yeah, Kinlaw, you, and now it's like, I haven't seen Kinlaw in two years. You would trade Debo for Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons right now. A two for one in, player in for player, right? Yeah, you would do that in too. a heart. In a heart, but that's part of that. You don't know what beh- what's behind door four. Well, that's why everyone's talking about like you know Packers now got some loaded ammo. Well, yeah, they still have to pick some sweet players. And can you imagine? Would you argue the first round, whoever their first round wide receiver is, the pressure on that individual is going to be as high as probably any first round pick this season? Because they're people, they're a playoff team. I mean, are they going to? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Assuming they take a wide receiver at 22, the pressure on that guy is immense. Part of the pressure, would you agree with this? Part of the pressure on that player is is kind of looking at that player through Aaron Rodgers' eyes. This is all Aaron's ever wanted, right? More receivers, more talent. It seemed like drafting Jordan Love instead of a guy that could help him was part of the rub several years ago, and it created this rift, this chasm that they've had to... What was the word that Peter King always used during the Brett Favre situation? Was it chasm? A chasm in the locker room. I think that's what I remember watching, like, PTI. Like, Peter King says there's a chasm in the locker room. That was the word that got used a lot for, like, a week during the Brett Favre's leaving the Packers story. But, um, you know, I think that's part of it is how does Aaron – I think what what the immediate reaction, part of what made – and this is something that you won't be able to describe to somebody in, that didn't – that was, like, out of the country or asleep for two days during that trade. The immediate reaction was partly – Aaron must be furious. And then it turned out nothing's really been said, but clearly Aaron's not furious, right? Because Aaron... It's been widely reported he'd knew he'd known for a exactly. long time. That was part of the reaction. I, I I'd read that the last dance photo was more Devontae than him, right? Oh, yeah. That's where he was fucking with everybody. It wasn't really about him. That's where, to me, he's got the uh, theatrical bullshit going. It was right. really all about Devontae. 
the word, thank you, Brian, was schism. There's a schism in the locker room. That's what it was. I remember, th- I remember that. Like report. that's a good one. Schism. Uh, they w- Jordan says Niners wouldn't get four and ten for Debo. Yeah, I think we agree. That's a separate. We're just saying like. If somebody else got desperate, how desperate would somebody have to get? Because you wouldn't trade them for a one and a two at this point. Yeah. I think we can say that about the 49ers. They wouldn't trade them for a one and a two. No. Would this be? They couldn't. Well, you look at them like, what are you saving up for? Yeah. What are we doing here? So that report from Chimini was Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and A.J. Brown, all three of those guys coming into the last year of their contract, which makes you wonder, will will all three of them be back on their teams? At this point, it feels like the level of which some of these guys get traded, maybe one of them gets traded. But would the Jets view all three – are the Jets viewing them the same way? Like they're in the same category in terms of this conversation. Are they actually in the same category? I would say this, though. Seattle, every player they've had of DK, Metcal- of DK Metcalf's caliber, they extended and they built around over Pete and John's time, right? Russell, all the defensive guys, you know, that they drafted that became stars. Earl, Cam, Richard, Bobby, obviously Russell, Tyler Lockett had multiple contracts there. He is a star-driven coach, elite players. He extends. Now, it, it's ugly when he rem- gets rid of them, but he gets rid of them like Andy does with the elite guys after the second contract. So you would say based on his history – there would be no sense that he would do this. John Robinson, I saw it before we hopped on, at the owner's meeting says, the game plan is to make A.J. Brown a Titan for a long period of time, whatever that takes. I believe him. I mean, look at his history. He hasn't been like the sweet players he drafts, he keeps. Zebo Samuel, you would say the one team of this group that has a history of, now, they didn't pick him, they inherited DeForest Buckner. But I would argue DeForest Buckner is like inheriting... You know, Jim Harbaugh inherited Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, and there was never a thought of getting rid of either one of them. He's my guy now. So they inherited DeForest by their sweet team. He was the team captain, the team spokesman, and arguably one of their top two or three players on the team, and they traded him after they made a Super Bowl run. Four pick 13. And that was non-Belichick, would you say one of the most, like to me, like ultimately... Devontae, I don't want to be here anymore. That's happened before. Tyreek, that happens all the time. You know, not all the time, but like teams, cap space, older player, you pivot. The DeForest Buckner thing was pretty shocking. That was going to be his first contract extension. Team captain on a sweet team. Great guy. Traded him for pick 13. Like that was a pretty wow moment. So I would say they're the one team in this history that you go, well, they've done it before, right? Because eventually it was like, well... After Bill had done it about three times, like, you never know a Bill. <laughs> you know, Bill just, beside Tom, everyone's fair game. And even by the end, it was like, you know, he tried to trade Gronk. Now, granted, he was an older version, but it it's like if if I see a report over the next week, like they've had discussions because Debo is making it difficult to meet in a, diff, in a number or his agent is, I would say that's understandable based on their history. Now, it's only been one guy, but that one guy was a pretty – transcendent move for a franchise and that guy was i would say uh, it's easy right now to to uh believe that debo is a sure thing as a player because i mean he was so good last year that everyone fell in love the whole league he was one of the biggest stories in the nfl as things got rolled as the niners started winning games 
to Forrest Buckner's body of work was more predictable than Debo's was at that point in time, right? In terms of here is what he's done and here's what we believe it will continue to be. Debo's is it's a little more of a question just given how short his track record he, is at this point. If he had done what he did last year for, for three straight years, this is a little bit of a different conversation, right? DeForest was the seventh pick in the draft, and when they traded him, he had missed one career game. And you see the guy in person, I mean, of all the NFL players you've ever stood around, he's one, he has to be one of the most, him and Eric are two of the most unique players you'll ever see, right? They stand out. We, we used to always comment when we'd see them at Niners camp, like these guys on an NFL field are out, extreme outliers, extreme outliers. So he had missed one game, and he was a top 10 pick. Right now, I understand that like your value, what your pick is, but ultimately Debo fell for a reason. He had some injury questions. That was the knock on him. Injuries. Because I think when he played, everyone loved him. They loved him more than these other two guys, which I think the cool part about all three of these guys is all SEC guys, obviously AJ and DK were were teammates, you know, quote unquote fell in the drafts where receivers clearly go pretty high and all made Pro Bowls and all are really sweet. But Debo, I would say, was viewed as the best prospect of the three coming out of college, but had had all the injuries. And just two years ago, he came into camp out of shape. So to me, like, AJ, I've never heard a bad thing about. I mean, DK, just I think people around the league think he's a little diva-ish. But don't get it twisted. I, I did the math before we hopped on. Give me the numbers. He, Debo has 167 catches through three years. AJ has 185, so that's 18 more. DK has 216 catches. Debo, 10 career passing touchdowns. AJ? Receiving. Yeah, receiving. He caught from a passer. (laughs) AJ, 24, has 14 more. DK has 19 more. He has 29 career passing, receiving touchdowns. Now, the, the game changer is Debo does have the 11. So but, Debo's 21 career touchdowns, A.J. Brown's 25, and D.K.'s 29. But the other thing is D.K. has three in the playoffs, A.J. has two in the playoffs, and Debo has two in the playoffs. So it's not like these guys, like, well, Debo, no, these other guys have fucking dominated in January. Those guys have been more productive than Debo. Debo's production was unlike anything we ever saw, but again, it was shot like a rocket ship for about 10 games. Say what you want about DK, and I'm not the biggest... Like, I would not trade for DK. I would not feel comfortable giving him $20 million a year. I'd rather have Debo than DK. I'll say that. But his resume speaks for itself. It's a dominant resume. Playing with with Russell Wilson, as someone pointed out in the chat. Yeah. To be fair. Like, it was a good match for him, right? Like, he he would not have put those numbers together playing with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he made some plays on, like, quick screens taking him to the house. Like, he's a pretty... I think we all agree he's a physical freak and maybe the Niners would just throw jump balls to the DK in a way they don't throw to other receivers with Jimmy Garoppolo now I would say the best quote-unquote receiver in this class I would put AJ on a clear tier as the number one we saw him, right when the remember Niners we had the Titans, conversation on that on that day he was a monster now you could argue Debo as one of the best quote-unquote football players in the league but all three of them like have some pretty easy arguments, right? And Debo's more my value to you. AJ's just, I'm, I got, I could put together five more years of just being the, could I be the best receiver in the league one day? 
And DK's like, my resume speaks for itself. Yeah, and I'd say one day for AJ Brown, you know, his thing is like, yeah, well, I'm playing with Ryan Tannehill. We're not exactly the most dynamic passing offense. Now he can throw the ball down the field. I'm not saying Tannehill stinks, but he's not playing with Russell Wilson either, right? Here's what I know: the Niners would not trade Debo straight up for DK. Seattle, who knows? Maybe they just be over the 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 Divish. The Titans would definitely say no. DK straight up for AJ. The Seattle might do that deal. The 49ers, I think you would think about, you know, with Trey, a huge target as a thrower. If you had to pay one of them, AJ just bigger, stronger, more likely to go, you know, the next five years, you would just bet on the physical history. The Titans 100% would say no, AJ straight up for Debo. And I know I've talked to the GM. He thinks Debo's a star. It's not So it's not like they don't think Debo's a stud. They watched him in that game, single-handedly trying to keep that game close. But AJ, I mean, him and Justin Simmons are the best two players on their team, on a team that wins 12 games a year, every year, now for the last several years, right? They just go to the playoffs. Yeah. But but again, I, well, I, I guess do they think... I Derrick Henry, too. Uh, I do think when it comes to Debo... The number one issue is that he has not been healthy all three years. I think if you get that guy you saw last year healthy for three years, which again, part of the he if he has to be a running back, that makes it harder to stay healthy, even though we did it last year, then it pushes him a lot closer to just as valuable as AJ Brown as doing it for one year. Yeah, you know? maybe better, better consistent. Like the one thing you would say from a throwing standpoint, you know, the head coach has been very hit or miss with the trust of their quarterback and the best year Jimmy it felt like was as a thrower would have been the Super Bowl year Debo was a rookie like obviously Russell's the best quarterback of this group and even Tannehill everyone shitting on him at the end of the year it's been pretty good you know for a couple years throwing the football right yeah yeah statistically he's been a top 10 passer in the league before so that but I don't believe he's a top 10 quarterback I mean whatever the numbers say he's no you know what I'm yeah yeah He's he's a legitimate starting quarterback year in year out of a playoff team. But now, but Jimmy I, might be too, but he he can't stay on the field. But my ultimate point on Debo as it relates to this group of guys is I think he has a chance to be as good as AJ Brown, like as on the same tier as AJ Brown in terms of the best receivers in the league. It feels to me my concern is it's going to be a little harder for him to be that, given kind of the way it feels like he almost has to play to to get, let's say, not equal production, but, you know, he's got 21 touchdowns. A.J. Brown's got 25, so pretty equal production. Specifically him as a run, the collisions that he's involved with around the line of scrimmage do concern me. If I tell you all three of these guys get contract extensions with their incumbent team, does any one of the three get over $50 million guaranteed? Um, uh, It's tough. I mean, A.J. Brown, I guess, could could play this year without a new contract. They pick up a fifth-year option. and then No, they, he's, no, he's, a, no he's a second-round pick. They're all second-round picks. Oh, yeah. So, it's so crazy. Just, of course. They're just, they're just free A.J. Agents. Brown feels like a first-round pick. Um, yeah, I could see A.J. The problem would be, even right now, he's not like if he had played 16 games last year and had 11 touchdowns like he did the year before. How many games did he play last games, year? 13. We missed four games. Four is not nothing. What was his production last year? AJ Brown was five touchdowns, uh, sixty-three catches. I mean, that's not yeah, AJ not Brown's great. production. 
Now, again, the team he plays for, the way they play, 52 receptions, 70 receptions, 63 receptions. How many touchdowns the first two years, though? Eight, and then 11, and then five. And maybe Derrick Henry takes away some of his catches. His his touchdowns, I mean, right? Yeah, you probably don't throw as many fades within the five as you do just hand it off to the big fella. But... Debo's like, well, they hand me the ball down there. Uh, I guess what, I, what I'm talking through with myself is like, I, that's true. I do feel like AJ could be a 50 million plus guy. Yeah, to me, if one of them were to get traded, they'd be a lock to get well over that, right? Because if they're getting traded, that means someone's paying him a lot of money. Uh, I mean, he hasn't played 16 games since his rookie year. Who hasn't? AJ? Mm-hmm. So him and Debo have that in common, both some injury issues. And both clearly are very valued in their own offense. DK is a little interesting, right? Because, you know, he lost his greatest asset. So you could argue, like, to me, where I keep going back to, like, why I don't think he'd get traded, like, he still is one of their best players, and they're not trying to reset. Like, they're they're not blowing it up. They're not the Texans or the Lions, right? Even yeah. though that feels like that. They, they, they are not thinking like that. And he still gives them their best chance to win having him on the field. I also would say, you know, the game we saw from A.J. Brown on Thursday Night Football – this is kind of like you sign a guy because he had a great game against you. Uh, was it by far, he had one other game on that level last year. Now, again, he had like eight for 33 against the Chiefs and a touchdown. That's an amazing game. He had seven for 91 against Buffalo. I mean, they needed it. They won by three. That's a hell of a performance. Seven for 91 when everyone knows you're getting the ball. He had 10 for 155 against Indy. And he had 11 for 145, and it just felt like first down after first down, backbreaking first down against the 49ers. But, he, you know, and, and I think it's fair to say when, he, when, he, when he's on, he's as unstoppable as an outside forces are in the NFL. But he also had, he had a three catch, a four catch, a three catch, an injury, a three catch, a no catch, and, you know, a two catch, a four catch. Whereas you just, Debo, I would say, of the three is the less, is the least reliant on external factors. Like as your team gets worse, you almost he becomes better because you you don't you don't need a clean pocket and one and a half seconds to get him the football. You know who's that? Debo. Yeah. Like it. Like ultimately, a jack of all trades, master of none. Debo kind of feels like he's a master and the jack of all trades. If he keeps, if he does what he did last year for multiple years. He is in some ways more valuable than these other two guys. I, I I do think that Debo and even AJ, because of what they've meant to the team under their coach and their GM, and with the quarterback, and I know the Niners have a new young quarterback coming on, we think, their value is still really immense. Those guys know him so well. The DK thing, you could just argue, like, could I get pick 10? And then all of a sudden I got a couple really high picks and – I get to just get Garrett Wilson instead and kind of reset my salary cap with Seattle that's been a little out of whack. That would be maybe you talk yourself into it. To me, if one of these guys can get traded, my bet would be on DK, even though I think it's very, very unlikely. And it'd just be like, are the Jets really going to trade pick 10 for DK? Because I'll tell you this, if that happened, if I just said DK Metcalf has been traded to the Jets, he's going to sign the Amari Cooper contract. Let's say five for 100, you know, 60 guaranteed, 20 yeah, year yeah. Or whatever. Let's say it's eighty four. So even if it's like twenty one a year to give him a little bump, I'd be like, I don't like that match. I think that's going to blow up in everyone's face. Yeah, yeah. I also think, what what are you doing if you're not giving your young? I mean, again, we're not talking about actually. Like, would you necessarily trade Debo in this conversation? We're talking about how he relates to these other players. I'd understand why the Jets would do it, right? 
Uh, yeah, because they – again, Debo actually – would Debo make more sense for them than DK or A.J. Brown because their quarterback is a little bit erratic down the field and just throw the ball two yards down, offensive coordinator, same type of guy. Like I understood why Tyreek made sense for them. People said, well, he's small – and Zach, Wil- Zach uh, Wilson, you know, we talked about his his kind of target radius, his wide, his, his uh, splatter chart or whatever you call it. If we yeah. gave him a gun and then pulled the thing close to us, he'd be bullets all over the place uh, on the silhouette paper. But, OK, then let's do what he does well and just get this guy the ball and get my playmakers in position to make plays. He's not like so, Bob, Bobby Lee Swagger. I, I watched Shooter. Uh, it was just on Netflix. So I, What's I, his last name in that? Is it Swagger? Is that what his Bo- name is? Bo- Bobby Lee Swagger. His name is Swagger. Yeah, Bobby Lee Swagger. That's a good. That's a good watch. Isn't that a good watch? That, that that one's on a lot too. That that's yeah. I've, Netflix is it's one of its trending movies. So I just I, I do a lot like when I've I did seen Once a Upon before. a Time and I did uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this weekend. How was that? What? Where do you find that? Uh, I just watched. I just rented it. I've rented that movie probably three times. Uh, I should probably buy it because I've spent twelve dollars renting it. I what is love it, that. What movie. does it run you? Three ninety nine. Yeah. It's not a bad rental. I just that's, love it. I, that's just an love that easy. Movie. They must know human psychology because three ninety nine feels like fifty cents when you press the button. You're like, ah, oh, it's fucking nothing. Well, what number would it? What number? Like I've done before. Super boredom. I've done it one time. The Twenty dollars. Never. Yeah, I've done the nineteen ninety nine. It was just I was desperate. It was probably pre streaming is big. I would never do that now. I would say once you get. Sp- Eight nine ninety nine. You're like, do I really need to? I got a million free movies. Why am I? Especially now that it's not like there are new like The Departed and these movies that are just transcendent movies. It feels like come out anymore. Three ninety nine is an, an easy one because you can even someone like recommends an older movie and you realize it's not on one of the streaming. Like, oh, I'll spend three ninety nine to watch that thing. It, yeah. it feels like nothing. Yes. You can even argue six ninety nine would feel like a little more, right? I, like, eh, yeah, I think. I think. I think it would. But you're so conditioned now. It's so funny the things you like wouldn't spend five dollars on, and the things you throw five dollars away on. You know, <laughs> like uh-huh. one guy, ga- like you're like, I don't know if I should do it. You spend nine dollars. You can spend twenty dollars like that at the at the mini mart. Just when you're ten minutes from your house, you know what I mean. Oh. <laughs> but you wouldn't spend for three hours of entertainment twenty bucks. But for like two smart waters, a beef jerky, a pack of gum, a mamba, and a bag of chips. Are you able to watch a movie that you've already seen without grabbing your phone? I didn't grab my phone watching that movie. You just sit there and watch the movie? Uh, Yeah, I I did. That's impressive. But I would say I do. Yeah, I mean, it's. I just but I love that. That's one of my favorite movies. So that's a good. That's a good. That's a goodie. When uh, uh, doesn't Brad Pitt beat up uh, Bruce Lee? I think I was thinking about this last night. Is that my favorite scene? It might be my favorite scene. But then you can't. It's hard to beat flamethrower scene. That's one's pretty good too. Okay. I mean, it's just the final fight scene. Uh, it's pretty yeah. great. That's a that's a pretty good one. When what's uh is there a scene early on in that movie where where Leo's like talking to the or is it Brad Pitt like having the one on one interview with like the young Asian girl or she's the actor? I remember, it was really awkward. I, I saw it in the theater. Isn't there like they're There's on not- set? You mean the younger, like the four-year-old girl? Yes, yeah, is she an actress? Or she's eight. She's eight. Yeah, not yeah. Asian, but yes, the eight-year-old, and it's Leo, and that's a great. Oh, she's scene a really too. young girl. She in the, yeah, gotcha. eight-year-old, eight-year-old girl. The scene where like Leo gets his mojo back, it's like you know you're watching a movie, the movie they're shooting or whatever. I love that. That's a great scene too. Yeah, 
it's, it's a, I need to re- that's a good one. I haven't. I, I went to the theater when that thing came out. Watched really? it by myself. Yeah, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I know I've I'm not it a, a huge lot. solo movie guy. You know, I know Greg, Greg Papa, big solo movie guy. Oh, we've done it. To him. Make a note of that occasionally on a on a big boy film, but they don't exist anymore. Solo movie ranks for Greg Papa. Uh, Ultimate Niner. Imagine the Jets. You go to four and get Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan ain't drafting Kayvon Thibodeau. Everyone's got picks. I don't think Kyle Hamilton will be there at 10. Your Highness with Danny McBride? Not seen it. No, sounds good, though. Danny like Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny's had a good run. Uh, all right, John, we did see this tweet from Matt Mayoko. At the NFL annual meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, where all teams have gathered for the next few days, the 49ers are likely to remain patient. They seem willing to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo for a while to allow him to get healthy and see if any trade scenarios materialize. Likely what's to the, remain patient. What's the rush? Likely to remain patient. So, I mean, at this point, it feels like Garoppolo will be throwing one day again, and he'll still be a 49er. When, now, is he throwing just on his own? Is he throwing in Santa Clara? Uh, but he's going to be throwing somewhere for somebody around 4th of July weekend, right? Wasn't that the date uh, as a 49er? Yeah, to me, the question is when Capicola? training. When, when training I, I think the question is now if they don't do some trade with the, the Carolina Panthers, which feels like the only one possible, the one where Sam comes back and they trade Jimmy Garoppolo injured, which they would have done already. And who knows? Maybe it happens at the draft. We'll see. If that does not take place, I think the only question is, do they cut him on the first day of training camp when he gets his physical? Or does do they open up camp and do a quote-unquote competition? Or do they name trade? I don't know how they do it. But to me, that's the question mark. If they if they make it past the draft. Because I, I still think the draft, marquee players get traded on draft night. Weird shit happens on draft night. I, I'd just say everything's on the table I think the Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K., like those names, you know, I could see just a, a Mort report. Like, you know, names to keep an eye on. You know, just not saying it's going to happen, but weird shit happens on, I would say, mid-Thursday through mid-Friday. That yeah. kind of 24-hour stretch. And even right. into probably the second round, right? At this point, it feels impossible that Jimmy Grapple gets traded on April 28th, which is a month. We're a month away from the first round of the NFL draft. Um but uh, I mean, uh, un- unless the the Panthers at six take a quarterback, let's say they take Malik Willis, and they go, we don't really feel comfortable with Sam Darnold being the kind of mentor. Let's take a mentor. We'll pay that salary. We'll eat a little bit and trade you. Say, assuming the Niners would even want to do that. But I'm saying that would Darnold, that yeah. to me would be just kind of a hail mary thing, which again still doesn't feel that likely. But they, they, yeah, and they would camp, have like they'd have to they're pay not coming. 20, to, They'd have to pay $27 million for their backup quarterback because Jimmy's not renegotiating to go be somebody's backup quarterback. No, but Jimmy Garoppolo would be their starting quarterback. Oh, I, I, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying be a mentor you, you, you as draft a backup. Him, yeah, yep, you'd I be follow. a mentor as the starter, like Malik Willis, Trey Lance style. Mm-hmm, like you basically mm-hmm. just do the same thing, and you go, God, look, it worked pretty well. They raved about the guy. That, to me, would be the place. But if that's not the case, like, here's what the Niners can't do. If training camp starts, you either cut him, trade him, or he shows up. There's no, like, this ain't you're throwing on the side at home. That's fucking bizarre. Like, I, I do not see them doing that. 
if he's on the team come training camp, they're either getting rid of him because he can pass the physical, then they owe him zero. He could sign for a million bucks. They don't have to eat anything. Or he's coming to practice. Like, I, I don't see it an option. Like, why wouldn't you just allow? Like, that would be weird. And I don't think they want any part of that. Well, him being a practice would also be weird. So weird but is le- not the but standard. But less, less weird that they couldn't trade him, that now, like, we don't want you around or whatever. I yeah. don't think that's on the table. I don't think they would do that because I think Kyle would want him. Yeah, the question is, would he, to me, what would be weird is if he's there and also getting reps as the like the same number of reps that a guy in a quarterback competition gets, not the number of reps that a number two quarterback gets. And honestly, even getting the reps that a number two quarterback gets is kind of crazy. Trey Lance should get more reps than most number ones unless you're afraid of his arm being sore. He needs as many reps as possible. Nate well, Sudfeld you, can get the the two the threes and the fours. Yeah, you should argue Trey gets 90% of them and then Nate gets a couple because if Trey did go down, you'd need to, him to operate. You'd well, and there's no rule. There's no, you know, Tom Brady gets a different number of reps than uh, Sam Darnold gets, even when both were starting quarterbacks in the NFL, potentially. Tom might want more or Tom might want less. Whatever he wants is what he gets. Yeah. But... So you can manipulate. It's not like, well, the CBA says that the first-team quarterback has to get 18 per- 18% more throws than the second and third quarterback combined. So any throws Jimmy Garoppolo has are potentially throws that Trey Lance otherwise should be making. Now, we've been at camp. There's a lot of useless throws being made. So I'm not going to act like you know 10 extra throws every practice to whatever. Some undrafted rookie receiver is like the difference between winning 10 games and winning seven. But you get the point. Pretty it's, important I think for, it's a for Trey level. to throw with the three guys, Ayuk, yeah, Kittle, and, and Debo. And also, there's just on the basic level, if it's my team now, it's a little harder for it to become my team if the guys whose team it used to be is still there. Yeah. Well, that's why, if we care about that kind of thing. Well, that's why already being at this point, like John Lynch is, by the time you listen to this, maybe he's already spoke to Mayoko and Barros and all those guys if they're there. And if, who knows, maybe he does a Zoom. But he can say whatever he wants. I like John Lynch. I feel like he's going to be lying. You know, we prepared for the situation. We had budgeted. Yeah, this was this was your worst case scenario. Like you would have liked to already moved on and had your value and just been off to new deals, right? Yeah. Or yep. just new, you know, whatever you're working with, right? It's like having to deal with Debo's contract and Nick Bosa's contract. Like that's NFL business, right? Having a quarterback that you no longer want to be the starter that you wish you could have unloaded still on the team come when all the players report in the next couple weeks just to start working out was not the plan. Like, and the, to me, there's nothing wrong, and I hope they do this. Like, they, they won't, but, you know, this wasn't an ideal situation, but we're here, and we'll deal with it. This is the NFL. Like, that, that would be very refreshing. Like, we didn't want this, guys. But they can't say yeah. that. Uh, can't tame can't can't tame he says Jimmy would – I think he's saying Jimmy – would fit in. I Jimmy – I don't think Jimmy would be a problem, but it's just – Makes it harder for Trey Lance to fully grow if Jimmy's there taking up a little bit of the space. Well, I mean, honestly, I got to give the guy credit. I don't think he's had a processed carb in 20 years, and he he does a good job on the Subway commercial. <laughs> I, I think mean- he's pretty good in that commercial. People, I said that uh, a couple of weeks ago that I think if given the chance, he could be as good as Baker, and people thought I was over, vastly overrating his Subway ability. But um, I think he does what's hard. Like one of the hardest things, I think, probably is that kind of. You know, where like Nona says she doesn't cook and Jimmy has to react to that shocking information. And I think he does a good job. What's the name of the meat that he pronounces? Is it like uh, Capricola the, or something the, like the, that? The Italian, yeah. It's the it's like the good uh, Italian meat. 
Jerome on the stream says, goal is to trade him. Not going to rush a hangnail injury in camp, though. If he's still there, he's sitting. You could definitely have that situation. You know, yeah. Jimmy's dealing with a hangnail or an ingrown toenail or uh, excessive ear hair. And uh, well, they're working on it. You know, and you go manscaped.com slash ham. But, uh, you know, yeah. Jimmy's off in the corner in his Travis Matthews outfit. Uh, Patrick said, <laughs> Patrick says Colts traded their horrible QB the smart way, super quick, and for whatever they could before the other quarterbacks moved. But he wasn't that horrible, and he's healthy. But they did trade him super quick and before the other quarterbacks moved. That's, Got that's rid of, and before they even knew Matt Ryan was a possibility. They're <laughs> just like, yeah. get this guy out of here. Let's so, punt. Let's punt. Uh, it will be, you know, you, you could just hit on it. Interesting if there's Q&As, kind of what John Lynch says. Right when the media is gathered around him, uh, that is just kind of interesting. We always like deciphering his, his body he, language, and he's not great at lying. Right? No, he struggles not. with it. He, uh, yeah. It's not his. It's hard but, because, like, I, I here's who I think is great at it. An underrated doesn't get any credit is Andy because he's always smiling and he's like, you know, we love the guy. Meanwhile, he's like trading him. You know, it's just like Andy is just fantastic because it's always smiling, bringing up how he ate a double cheeseburger. Meanwhile, he just cut Frank Clark. He's like, yeah, everything he's done for us, you know, double cheeseburgers. and he, but, So he kind of gets you off the scent. Well, John, I think it's hard for him to bullshit. I, I, I think he really struggles at that. You kind of got to be – I think even Kyle has a little bit, while he's candid, he's good at like kind of just cutting you off and be like, yeah, well, we're not going to talk about it. J- John Lynch was a player. You didn't really have to lie. I mean, you just you – just, oh, you sucked on that play. You got to do better on that play. You got to – like, you're just honest. Yeah, right. The coaches after a long time, you probably get t- Brad on the stream says touch his ear, touch his ear. Goes to the if you I watched some of the Browns press conference the other day. All three guys when they sat down, first thing they do immediately crack their bottle of water. Like oh oh oh, I was backstage thirsting, and here I am on the stage now. I need my bottle of water. You know, John Lynch is he was ripping. You remember that press conference? He was reaching yeah. all over his bottle of water. You know, as if he just had to drink. I saw that. I saw that. I did click on it. I, I lasted two minutes, but the, Sashi, not Sashi, but Barry, first thing he does is uncorks the thing. Uncorks the, it's like, what? Dude, you, 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 you didn't have a chance for water. Uh, matter by nature, thank you. Says, did Jimmy get thumb surgery? That can be, uh, that can be his insurance getting that $7.5 million injury settlement. Jimmy can get his thumb operated on right before his physical. To me, that would be pretty risky given, let's just hypothetically say it's a four-week recovery. Let's just say the surgery. I'm just going to pick a date, right? Four okay. weeks. That means he would miss all training camp. So even if they cut him and he got the $7.5 million, he'd have to, like, that would he'd be fucking himself a little bit, right? Unless he realized there's nowhere to go, you might as well just take the 7.5. Yeah. But he's, yeah, so he didn't get thumb surgery. He got shoulder surgery. Yeah. But. I can see them, like, maybe his he- thumb is still bad and they have to go to arbitration. Like my thumb still doesn't work, and he's like, "Yes, it does. We clear you. This guy, this guy's from Stanford." Uh, Oscars tonight? Apparently, Lynch can't deflect. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. He just doesn't want to. Uh, you have potential. You have uh, uh, one of the all-time great commercials. Pinocchio knows. Wow. You all have potential in each of you. I don't remember exactly how it goes. It's a good commercial. All right. Uh, on that note, any uh, other things we, we didn't mention today? Oh, you know, by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm wearing this Buck Mason hoodie that I'm wearing for those of you watching the stream. I've not worn on the stream before. 
Just got it this weekend. It's brand new. Just came. What, Paid what my own money is for is it. That, is that creamsicle? Uh, yeah, it's like a cream. It's not like a stark white. I'd say it's a cream. Did you get one like this? No, these are my shorts, though. Ooh, I like those. How? Well, give us your review. Uh, they're elite because now I can separate the the shorts, like my basketball shorts that I use at the gym and I sweat in, and those will just get rotated. And then I just got two of these that'll just be for wearing at home. Like they're just lounging to be around here. And if I you need wear, to, like go to the store or whatever, can do it. You can you wear underwear with those. Hundred percent of the I time, I, no, zero percent of the time. Free ball, free ball. Yeah, yeah. But and I, there's but no, again, like I'm uh, free ball probably fifty percent of the time, no matter what. So it's like I'm a, gotcha. I'm probably a unique case. I'll remember that next time I see you in jeans. Yeah. Um, I, I never, rarely wear underwear with jeans. BuckMason.com slash ham, and uh, you know they're not paying us this week, but we think it's great product, and the promo's still out there. So uh, go get it while you can. Yeah, go get it. All right. Go get it. I, I, stuff will be, there'll be uh, reports of things happening this week, so we'll be here. Can't wait. Uh, Master starts next week. Not wait, not this week, but next week. Yeah, a week from Monday, it kind of kicks off. And uh, Tiger hasn't bailed yet. Is there a deadline? I, I read he might participate in the par three contest, which would actually feel like a big deal, wouldn't it? I would imagine the deadline is Monday or Tuesday before, like, you know, he bows out, someone takes his spot. So it's maybe he's taking it up there to the wire. Maybe he legitimately has to see, like, can I walk? If I walked four straight days, what does it feel like? Because there was a report on Twitter from, like, I think this thing called Fried Egg. I think they're, like, a guy that used to work maybe at CBS Sports or whatever. And they have a podcast called Fried Egg. And it was that they had gotten reports out of his home course in Florida, which is either Seminole or you know one of those sweet ass fucking places, <laughs> the Grove Twenty Three, or that he's been walking all week, and it's you know it's one of those like that's not random because I bet if he was just fully healthy and going to be playing the Masters in two weeks, he would be practicing in a cart or what you know it's not you wouldn't even be, you just do however you practice. But I think part of it is like he's walking, and Joey Lacava showed up carrying the bag, so it's like what is going on now? My my educated guess still. I think that he does not play this in two weeks and he ends up trying to play at St. Andrews, which is historically pretty flat. And it's like, you know, known as the greatest golf course in the world, right? He's won it before. It's the historic. And that would be something that like be pretty big. I, I do think I've never been to Augusta and, you know, TV doesn't do it justice, but every single one of these guys said it's the hardest course to walk. The undulation of the course is. Well, I remember nuts. a graphic from last year, um, one of the holes, the the um, like the difference between the tee box and the green, like there's always one of the, which hole is it? And it, you've got like you know a bunch of buildings showing you the difference between the elevation of the tee box and the green. That there's a few of those. Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, it, honestly, it could be the par three twelfth that they all hit in the water. I think it Tiger is the par three. Yeah, I think it might because be. you know how you just kind of walk from the green. The tee box kind of feels like it's just in the middle of nowhere. And I think the green, because the cor- the hole looks insanely easy, and they all hit in the water. I think that hole is really tricky with your eyes and the, yeah. the, the undulation of the of the green. I think the trees block off the wind that actually hits when you hit it too high. If he does play, I I do think that'll be a pretty big story. If Phil, how about if Phil shows up and no one shakes his hand? Phil around, Phil just walking around the practice green trying to say hi to everybody, everyone ignoring him. Can't I'm, be always, talking to you, I'm always I'm always a sucker for the dinner menu. I wonder what Hideki is going to bring. I, I bet fish is definitely involved because I've seen uh, 
seen some Instagrams with him over the years of like, you know, if you look at Hideki, you know, he's, we all think he's 40 because he's built, you know, he's 29. He likes So to why eat. would he eat fish? Well, I've just seen him have some enormous like sushi dinners. Oh, like, he I, had see, a, I see. I, I followed his caddy after he won the uh, Masters and he just tweets sometimes when they throw parties. I think Hideki, you know, throws back some sushi fucking everywhere, sake. I think Hideki gets. That belly again, guy. He's twenty nine. He's and he not, walks a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot. He well, he walks four days a weekend, not two. All right, everybody. So. Thanks for hanging with us, and uh, have a great week. All rise. Adios, Polota. Let's ride. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.